0: Hey ladies and gentlemen, it's Phil Goth here again with God Watch Podcast. Hey, I'm bringing you something a little bit different today, and so for you who could possibly listen with your kids, you might want to contemplate whether you want to, because the thing that we are discussing today is sexual sin, Uh, most notably probably pornography. But... It doesn't get too in-depth, so you, you should be okay. I mean, it's just the experiences of a young man who, uh, who we met with. So, with that, I hope that uh, you guys like it. I hope there's some information in there for you. Uh, here we go. Hunter Thorpe. Hunter, welcome to the show. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? Good, man. Hey, thanks for taking some time, coming back talk with me, opening up your porch. It's a beautiful night, hanging outside. One of the things that I think is interesting is, I was telling you a little bit, just last night I recorded uh, like an invitation to come to uh, a men's seminar that dealt with sexual sin. In talking with you, you know, you were open to discuss that. And I thought that was pretty unique because, you know, on the on the thing that I recorded last night, I, I let people know one of the things that everybody says, "Hey, can we just not discuss one thing?" And I'm always like, "What is that?" Well, it's almost always sexual sin. So, you know, I know that it's kind of a a taboo topic. I know that sometimes the church always doesn't confront it. You know, I mean, I think that there's always some sort of a resource for you, or a lot of times there's a resource, but even though that resource is there, I think that sometimes people are ashamed or scared or embarrassed to seek that kind of help. And so I just, thanks again for coming and, and being so open about it. You're a young guy, I mean, you're still in college, right? Mm-hmm. Um, grad school. Yep. You're in grad school. So what is that? Late 20s? 23. 23. Early 20s. Mm-hmm. See, those were the good years, man. Yeah. So, I mean, you're kind of in the start of your life, you know, and, and really starting to progress into adulthood. I know you got a, a fiancé now, and you got school ahead of you and, you, and all of these things. And so I think that it would be neat to hear just... A little bit about your background like where you know you you're you're living here in Ankeny Iowa right outside Des Moines what else about you is important for people to know about where'd you come from have you been raised in the church different things like that
1: okay well I was actually born in Des Moines raised in Ankeny my whole life okay um, uh lived in three different locations in Ankeny as far as church is concerned my family would go to church Christmas Easter If there was like something that my grandparents who started the church we went to, like if they had something going on there we'd go to, it. but we weren't regular attenders of church. It wasn't until I was about in middle school that I actually started becoming involved. I uh, went to a church camp over the summer between my sixth and seventh grade year of uh, middle school. And while I was there, um, they just had one of those like come to Jesus nights and something clicked in my head and that's when I would say I became Christian, was about 12 years old, so 11 years ago.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it's, and that's, and that's a substantial time to have been in your walk. I mean, and those different parts of your life. When you look back on like the middle school, what was that like? Pretty peer-oriented? I mean, was it accepting? What, did you, what was it like when you were that young? See, because I, I wasn't churched when I was... I mean until I was an adult you know so I really I don't have that experience of what church was like at an early age you know I went to youth group in high school a couple times and they asked me not to return so I didn't you know (laughs) but uh, yeah so what was that like I mean do you remember
1: um I remember right off the bat being different than the other kids in youth group most of them had grown up in church and so they took things for granted that i didn't so within my first year of being christian i had read through the bible and did, done all this stuff so i could, like get caught up with all these people so i'd understand where they're coming from they're like oh yeah this story in exodus and i'm like what's exodus yeah. so it's kind of it was playing a uh, pickup game to figure out where uh where i should be um as far as school was concerned I mean, it was kind of interesting. Ankeny is a place where I would say the majority of the kids are at least in a cultural sense Christian, so they at least know the story of Jesus, and they will at least believe in God in some way, shape, or form. But uh, I I found a lot of people to say they were Christian in middle school, and as I got older, the numbers became less and less, but that's kind of just the way it worked with youth group as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a sign of the times, you know. I mean, I even see that. I mean, now... Now that my peers are all adults with children, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of stabilized. But, you know, I know in working with youth, you know, it's, it's sad when you see somebody come and come and come and then just disappear. So, you, I mean, you kind of really lived into it initially at the beginning, kind of on fire. You're reading the whole Bible. You're really, really trying to engage and take off with your faith. So now, High school comes around kind of the same. I mean, do you feel like you leveled out a little bit more?
1: I will say that I'm less uh, evangelical in the sense that I was in people's face when I was younger. And I'm not that way anymore. I'm much more laid back and I'm much more understanding that there are just some people that no matter how much you tell them about Jesus and the gospel, they'll have none of it. Yeah. That's been something that kind of developed over time because I think there's this sense when you first become Christian that you're just so on fire with God that it's, you want to tell everybody about it, not realizing that some people might have hurt from the church or they might just have no concept of what church is.
0: It was always interesting to me just to see the different reasons why youth would leave too though. You know, they there was always a reason and whether it was a substantial reason or not, I mean, In somebody's mind you can't convince them that their reason is is not a good one but you know it's time commitment or this or that and and I think one of the important pieces comes into play when you know high school is this delicate time where people who were children are turning into adults and starting to test those boundaries right and with that comes you know, sometimes what we classify as sin, right? I mean, the, the idea that what you're doing is in conflict with what we believe. And I think as adults, sometimes we either ignore it, we write it off, or we fight it, you know. And I don't know that youth sometimes have that mentality. I think sometimes they run from it. You know, and and don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. You know, I know what's best for me. And sometimes that secular hedonist lifestyle is feels the best when you're 14, 15, 16 years old, you know, and start making those changes. When you were coming up, did you start to notice that in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I unfortunately, like... My biggest struggle, as you know, was pornography, and um, I actually had that going into being Christian. The first time I was exposed to porn was when I was in, like, fifth grade. Seriously? Yeah, so I was, um, I don't know if you know what RuneScape is, like, a dorky video game that's online. Okay. Well, I uh, misspelled a single letter in the name, and it sent me to a porn site, and, like, it drew me in. Like, there was something about it, it was just, like mystery stuff that I had never seen before type of thing and it just kind of that was the first time I was exposed to it and granted like we didn't have wireless internet when that happened I I didn't have wireless internet till I was like probably seventh grade about the time I became Christian so I didn't like
0: I didn't even have internet until I was in high school so (laughs) but you know I guess I look back at it I was trying to think about some of this stuff before we met today it was probably the same age about the first time that I've seen pornography but you know back then there wasn't internet there wasn't it wasn't easily accessible right you had to go to that building that had no windows and you know you don't know what happens inside of there it's scary you know mom says that's a bad place but um, I remember we were playing and you know I lived in a probably not the best part of town and we found this plastic bag in the alley and inside of there was clippings from like nudie magazines and you know we didn't really even know what the, you know we were like look at this you know and, and, and I think we just left them and it never really crossed my mind again like it you know like the idea of how you say I'm, I was sucked in by it it really you know at that time it didn't really do that for me mm-hmm. because I recorded that show last night I have all of these stats from, from that that I looked up and I think that one of them was amongst men, it says ninety five percent of men admit to having having have viewed porn. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed that was like ninety nine point eight percent. You know I think that's why I have to put that admit in there, and that was the part that was on the internet. But you know because sometimes it's too culturally acceptable amongst men, right? I mean. You, your buddy, and somebody else, I mean, it's not weird to talk about it. You know what I mean? And maybe it should be. And I think, you know, that's coming from more of a, a secular side before I really found my faith. But, you know, being, you know, I'm sure it happens white-collar, but being blue-collar, you know, the, the idea that something, you know, some guy is going to talk about something that's pornographic- a job or that happens you know and it's just course of life you know I would hope that openly living in a Christian community you would be held to a, a more accountable standard than having it be accepted like I sometimes see in the world or have experienced in the world and I know that you have talked about it openly amongst peers I remember you know I think when you were in high school, or maybe when you are out of high school, you came and spoke to high school kids about struggles with pornography. Yep. and I, I remember looking at it and thinking like, man, this kid's brave. Like, you know what I mean? Because that's something that people hide. That's something that people are ashamed of. You can talk about a whole lot of things and not be judged, but that's something where people fear judgment. Like, where is your mind at when you're doing that?
1: You know, um It all goes back to when I was out in uh, Colorado in 2011 at Rocky Mountain High, which is a youth event. We were just having kind of a confessional night type thing where we just were talking about what we struggle with. Nobody had said porn at that point, but I just was like, I have to get this off my chest. I've been struggling with this for, at that point it had been like probably five, six years. I don't know, something like that. And it's just like, hey. This is what I struggle with. And then systematically, all the guys that were my age, oh, I struggle with that too. Yeah, me too, me too, me too. And I realized it's something that I had never expressed or heard anybody else express, but the second you bring it up, people are like, yeah, I struggle with that. That's something that I have to deal with as well. I realized it was a very common thing and people just didn't want to talk about
0: it. One of the things that I found was between the ages of 18 and 30. like so a study this year, 80% 80% of men view it monthly. 18 to 30, 80%. And 30% of those people say they're addicted to it. I mean, would you have classified it as an addiction?
1: At its worst moments, probably. There were there were times where it would be like a two, three night a week thing where I would kind of sneak off and to my parents' basement or wherever, and that's where I'd kind of just go there and watch it. It was what I did.
0: The The other statistic in that range was that over 65 percent of those men think it's acceptable like did you know it was wrong
1: the fact of the matter that I hid while I did it all that stuff makes me think that even before I was Christian when I struggled with it that I knew it was wrong to some sense but once I became Christian and I started learning like more about the idea of like Jesus talking about lust and adultery and all that stuff and how like the apparently one of the Greek words that they use for adultery doesn't necessarily apply just to married people like you can commit adultery before you're married because you're going after somebody when you have a future wife or something like that you're cheating before you can have that significant other and it started like wrecking me so I had this internal conflict where I had this like desire to go watch that but I also was trying to deal with the fact that I believe in Jesus and Jesus calls us to step away
0: from that so now I mean, having worked with youth in in that area, what do you tell them? You look back on, especially, you know, that young adult time. You're experiencing hormones and moods, and you're starting to notice girls, and they're different than you. You know what I mean? And there's there's all these really good, crazy, weird things happening to you. How does how do you tell a young man to? I, I can't think of the right way to word it, but just to, those urges and those feelings that you have. How do you how do you talk him into setting them aside and and focusing on his plan and his faith instead of on that? I mean, has that been ever a conversation that's come up?
1: Uh, it's come up. Somewhat. That was more in a college setting for me. It was like a dorm room talk, just a bunch of guys getting real with each other while playing video games.
0: We were like, hey... Uh, video video <laughs> games come around, come around a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so you guys are hanging out, talking. and Yeah, we're just doing what
1: college guys do, just sitting at... Well, college guys that aren't in the drinking scene. We were sitting there just playing video games, and somebody brought it up, and we just started talking about it. And uh, what I said is like, I mean, realistically, you can pursue God or you can continue to go after this. I'm like, you can't really pursue sinful desire and pursue God at the same time. It just doesn't work that way because you're going to alienate yourself from God if you keep pursuing that sin. And if you pursue God, hopefully the desire to destroy that sin or get rid of it will just keep growing in you.
0: Yeah. Is it, is it something that still... So, you know, say a guy, say a guy has had problems with pornography, five years later, is it still something that is in his forethought? You know, is it still something, I mean, I, you know, the addiction side of it, you look at an alcoholic, you look at an addict, you know, most of the time, those people, you know, that's, I know way more about that than I do do about this. And so, you know, when I try to correlate it, an alcoholic, like like a real alcoholic, he's gonna think about drinking for a long time. You know what I mean? And, and knowing what the consequence with alcoholics and addicts, understanding the consequences of your action. If you're an alcoholic and you're drinking, drunk driving, you know, there's, there's a lot of destructive things that can happen. You know, when I think about pornography, it's kind of, you know, that idea of I'm in the dark, I'm by myself, nobody knows what's happening. It, you know, but does that still haunt people years down the road? I mean, or is it kind of one of those things where you're like, I'm free, Jesus freed me, I'm good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean, I can't speak for everybody obviously, but for myself, I know that occasionally, um, I feel like that draw back to it, and I have to, like, sit aside and realize, like, there's something inside me that still desires that, and I, I don't exactly know what that is or where that desire comes from, but I know that it's not if I think about it, if I get some more perspective on whatever's going on, that I don't wanna do that. The further I've gotten away, or the more time I've had to look retrospectively on all this stuff, I've realized that I used pornography in a time when I was stressed out. It was like my way of feeling like I had control. I would watch this, make myself, I would relieve myself, and I would feel less stressed out after that, and that's what I would use it for. It'd be something that I use as a control mechanism. So
0: I mean it's kind of the same as drinking and anything else. You have the stress, you want to get rid of it, you want to you know, get that, you know, one of the things that I've heard before is that uh, the, you know, pornographic images will release dopamine. The same as drugs, you know, and the same as, as other chemicals. You know, that kind of happy feel-good chemical in your brain that's going to shoot off. You know, it, there's so many correlations to it, that, but we don't always think about it like that. And so I think that it's, it's interesting to just kind of explore altogether. When you have had these times in your life, was it open with other peers? Like, did other peers know what you were doing? Like, this is going to date me a little bit because I don't know how any of these things work, but like Snapchat? Like, you know, I always heard like, oh, the, you know, that that's where you send back and forth. You know, I hope it's not now because I know way too many people who are on there. But you know, that, you know, that's what youth were doing to send pornographic pictures back and forth and different things like that. So was there a time where people were trading and, you know, did your peers know like, oh, Hunter's going to love this one, Psh, send it off?
1: Uh, No, I I didn't let that information really get out to many people. Like I probably had a couple close friends that weren't Christian who knew about it, and then the core people that I talked to about it were actually Christians, because I was afraid if I went to my friends who didn't see it as a problem, they'd just be like, okay, what's what's your issue here? Why do you feel bad about that? There's nothing to feel wrong about.
0: Yeah, that's a hard... I mean, because we live in this fallen world, right? We live with people who are secular, we live with people who are Christian, we live with people who are of other beliefs and, and there's all these different things and, and I know that 2017 free sexual expression is sometimes overly accepted. If you tell somebody "Hey, I like this, alright, well you continue that, you know what I mean, and, and that's a that's a hard line to walk because you know we know What we're supposed to do and we know that it's wrong but yet we know where we can find somebody who says it's acceptable so we can get that answer that we want i mean yeah and so i i get that and then if your peers are the church you know it within the church within the youth group with you know if those are the people you're with did you ever feel that there would be judgment on of your actions if you were to openly admit to it, well, when you were younger, that they would think less of you—is that—is that one of one of the reasons why you think maybe?
1: Uh, prior to admitting it, when I was in Colorado, I don't, I can't recall any Christian friends that I had spoke to about it, just because it was something that I didn't want to talk about. I, I did feel like somebody was going to judge me, and I had like a somewhat of a leadership role in the youth group and I didn't want to lose that because I struggled with this and it was all these different thoughts saying oh you're going to lose this, you're not going to be able to do this, they're going to think less of you, people aren't going to want you to come to church anymore and I realized that when I admitted that and got it off my chest people were actually more inclined to come talk to me about that thing and people were actually encouraging in that. They're like, hey, I understand this is a struggle I've struggled with this too, or I have a similar struggle. So, everything that was holding me back from telling people ended up being a lie. I was like, "Wow, really surprised that
0: just that's the way it turned out." I've been reading a lot in Second uh, Samuel. One of the things that comes up a lot is the the idea of God just using everything for His purposes, good, bad, different, and you know that's one of the things that I I wish people would understand more sometimes is that you know, just because it's a bad situation, you know, you look at you you know, you had something that that you were hiding and I think, I'm not pointing you out, I think everybody me, everybody who's listening have either, are going through it or have experienced it, right? All those things that we're hiding if we admit to what we're doing Find a way to use that in the kingdom, I think that we can get so much farther ahead because God can use all of those negative things and turn it into a positive. I think that, I think I've probably said it before, but, you know, any Christian who tells you they've got it all together is lying to you, you know, because we're all messed up people just trying to find our way. I'm glad that you came to terms with that where you know. I can use this. I don't know if you wanna go here or not, but you have a potential marriage coming up and she's a good Christian girl. She just left to go be work as a short term mission. What is she? Uh, a sixteen is she doing? month mission in Thailand. In Thailand. So so sixteen months, that's not short, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean she's a believer, she's she's going hard and, and you know, I know that a lot of the other people you surround yourself with were were believers and now that you're open with that especially in in a premarital relationship how is that I mean does she I, I assume since we're putting it on the internet she knows <laughs> um, how how is that I mean has that been a conversation that you guys have had we both liked each other before we dated and uh, actually after our first date she's like hey
1: let's talk about our like Jesus story and I'm like okay so as we're doing that I get to this part and I'm like I want you to know that like this is somewhere I've been and sometimes it comes back in the sense that like it's something that like I think about occasionally and it's not what I want to think about I want to think about pure and better things but the fact of the matter is it's something that's still in the back of my mind but I want to be upfront about this that like This is what's going on so early in our relationship she knew that i had struggled with pornography and she actually knew that prior to uh prior to our relationship because she was actually at that uh, youth event where i spoke in front of everybody she was uh, a senior in the junkyard at the time so she she
0: had the
1: opportunity to hear me say it in front of 100 kids
0: i i would say for for most men i know they would have a hard time expressing it one-on-one to somebody and for you to stand up in front of a hundred people, that's that's crazy. But, you know, you you look at that relationship that you're building with her, and, you know, I mean, it's the same thing with my wife. You know what I mean? My wife is, she knows where I've been. She knows what I'm predisposed to, you know what I mean? She knows why I'm irritable, why sometimes I don't express emotion in the most outward way, you know what I mean, different things like that. But kind of the same as you. Before we were married, you know, we were we were a little bit older than you guys were and a little more set in our ways. You know, we thought that it was really important that we were open about that. So that we knew where each other were, where each other's faults were, where each other falls short. That way we can be a team and we can back each other up. And you know what? Here's something I'm really good at managing. And I know that sometimes you struggle with that and, and it works well. And so I think that for you guys to have that open conversation ahead of time, I think that it's, I think that it's good. I think it's setting you up for success. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because the, the stat for marriage was two out of every three Christian homes say that pornography is a problem within their home. Mm-hmm. And that's that's crazy. And then I'm, I'm going to look up the other, because there was, there was something else that, that went along with that. So, yeah, two out of every three, 47% of families say that it's a problem in their home. And then I thought that I had something. Oh, yeah. And so when they, when they take those, the two out of three and they figure out the divorce rate, it was 37%, or I'm sorry, when they take that, it, with the, the people who have gotten divorced, 30, 37% of those have had extramarital affairs. And, you know, I think that they're correlating that sexual sin can lead to affairs. And, you know, the divorce, I mean, that's a crazy high divorce number. Mm-hmm. And I think that having people around me who have been divorced, having lived through, you know, a family that was divorced, having, having seen those... And there's, you know, obviously there's nothing more destructive to a family. You know what I mean? And so just to be able to combat that in a way is is important. We'll change gears a little bit. I mean, I people are probably loving hearing me talk about stats on <laughs> pornography. But I want to hear more about your relationship, man. Tell me, about, tell me about this girl. I mean, so you guys met, did you meet in high school? Uh... Yeah, we uh, met
1: through youth group. She was in my group, um, my opening discussion group at church on what would have been my senior year. So we were in group together, so we got it. A...
0: So was that her senior year as well? No, she's two
1: years younger than me. Okay. So she was, uh, interestingly enough, the girl I was dating at the time and her were friends.
0: Oh, that's complicated.
1: <laughs> yeah. It is a little complicated, but you know, it turned out, well, um, we began talking about my junior year, um, second semester of my junior year, um, we were talking about just life and apparently, uh, one of her really good friends, like, I think you two are going to end up dating. He told us this way afterwards. She t- he told her before we started dating but he told me that like after we'd been dating for a couple months he's like i told her you guys would be dating i'm like really just from seeing us talk on social media he's like yeah absolutely
0: (laughs) you know that's neat though i mean just to you know to see to see young people kind of find somebody that they say hey i can spend the rest of my life with this person i mean just that that idea of the commitment and and i mean i think that I think that you were well enough grounded in your, in your head to know what that commitment is. And so for you just to be able to say, listen, I love this girl. I could be with her forever. I mean, because that's a, that's a heck of a commitment, you know. And so something funny, I don't know, I don't know if you know this, but um, when, we, when me and my wife got married, we were part of a home church. We were, we were getting ready to plant a church uh, in, in Des Moines. And so we were meeting in this house, so we didn't have a building. And, and so I said, you know, we we're talking to my wife, and I said, well, where would you like to get married? Like, you know, of, of what, pretty much what building do you like? We can go anywhere. There was a cathedral downtown, a Catholic cathedral, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. It yep, really is. Absolutely. She worked for a, uh, a Catholic school, a Catholic hospital that had a school attached to it at the time and so she knew a couple of the deacons and you know and so that way we could kind of have a little bit more say we didn't want a catholic ceremony you know what i mean neither one of us are practicing catholics well the one thing that we didn't know is that when we were getting married in the catholic church we had to take a test okay and so i don't remember maybe a hundred questions or something (laughs) And it was, it was hilarious. I mean, the, just the questions, I, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't remember what many of them were, but there were one discussed like, you know, it reminded me of like when you go to the hospital and the, the doctor goes, are you safe at home? You know what I mean? Like they were just kind of these, these obscure questions and we were sitting by each other and she looks over at me and whatever the question was, and she was like, this is not a joke. <laughs> I mean, cause she knows how I am and and the lady that was monitoring the test got all over us. You can't be talking during the test. And so we've, we fill out our test, and then they send it to the Vatican or something, and they, oh, they grade them. I don't know. It's a scantron, so they probably have something <laughs> in the basement. But, and then they send it to the officiant of our wedding, and we have to go through, you know, like six hours of premarital counseling, which, man, I, I, would, I would recommend that for anybody, especially being younger. I think that getting together and maybe talking about the things that you don't always think about, you know what I mean? Maybe things you haven't experienced yet that an older efficient, you know, somebody older than me, you know, can, can kind of walk you through. Somebody's been married for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Explain some things and do some stuff for you. But when we, we got our test results back and so we're sitting there and, you know, I think we were both maybe a little nervous and uh, wondering what we we're kind of wondering what the answers were going to be, And the guy was like, "Well, I don't know what we're going to talk about because in the last 20 years, I have never seen anybody test so high. And I was like, like "Score, you know, I think we had two or three answers that were different.
1: it was, <laughs> it was pretty That's it good. was pretty
0: interesting. We met for that first one, and then we spent the next pretty much five. Meetings discussing theology, and you know, trying to convert me to Catholicism, and you need to bring your family, you know, and Catholic, non-Catholic. There's something to be said between both, and everybody's got their opinion, and, and that's not a place for me. I just know I know where I'm comfortable, and I know what lines up with the gospel that <laughs> that I believe a little bit more. But for me, it was really fun to sit there and talk with a deacon about faith. I think some of that is just as important as the actual counseling between people because being people of faith you know that marriage is a vow between us and god Mm -hmm. and knowing that we need to use what we have made this covenant for to glorify the kingdom and to glorify god through us and and if we can do that then we can be together and we can live a happy, productive life, you know? And so, I mean, have you thought much about that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so Bree and I, uh, about a month after we got engaged, I went out and found a book that I found two copies for like 10 bucks. And it's uh, Timothy Keller's Meaning of Marriage. And it just breaks down uh, a passage in, I believe, Ephesians, where it's talking about how marriage is supposed to reflect the relationship of Christ in the church, and like the whole book is just based on that passage, and it just goes through all these different sections, like how to deal with each other, not necessarily how to deal with each other, but how to like come to terms with differences that you're going to discover you have once you're married that you didn't know you didn't have yeah. prior to marriage, and already have wedding counseling set up for when she gets back. We have uh, I believe it's six sessions with our minister, so nice. that'll be interesting I mean I'm not opposed to it by any means just I don't know
0: what to expect you know I know people who have been married for you know nearly as long as I've been alive you know you know 20 20 plus years they've been married live a pretty happy I mean I'm sure you know no relationship is 100% perfect all the time but you know I mean but I think the the couple in particular I'm thinking of they're strong in their faith they're together, they seem happy. And I mean, I realize that people can put on a show, but one of the things that they do is they regularly go to counseling together. And part of, you know, one time I asked them cause they, they live fairly openly. And I said, you know, wh- why are you guys going to counseling? Because in my mind, I see counseling as we have to fix a problem. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, nothing. It's just so that we can stay close together. Like, you know, and I know, in knowing them, I know that they would have told me if something was actually going on, but yeah, you know, just to do like, you do maintenance on your car, let's do some maintenance on our marriage. It's, it's neat just to think about what what some people do to keep it so fresh. Because yeah, I mean, life, a lifetime commitment is a long time, Yeah, you know, and so what, uh, what is she doing in Thailand? Do you know?
1: Uh, I'm not 100% certain yet. Uh, she's over there with Bethany International, so she is a missionary over there, but um, she doesn't know exactly what ministry she'll be working with, at least I since I talked to her this morning. And she would have told me if she got something. She's
0: recently there, though, right? How long? A week? Uh, two weeks? Something like that? A week okay. this last
1: Saturday, so okay. it'll be two weeks here soon, Okay, but it was... It was interesting to see her go, but yeah, she might be working uh, particularly with uh, women who've been involved in sex trafficking over there, people who were prostituted against their will, which I used to work in that industry a little bit. Like, Not, not that I was a pen. <laughs> I need to clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you did not try I did anti-trafficking research in Washington, D.C.
0: <laughs> and, and I know that, that that's one of the other things I want to talk to you about, too, is because I know you were doing that, and then when you came back all of a sudden you decided law school was your place. Is that something that you hope to pursue later? I mean, is that, I didn't know if that's still in your, on your Rolodex of things that you you want to accomplish.
1: I would love the opportunity to work for an organization that does stuff with that. Uh, I don't know exactly how many jobs there are related to that in the US. I mean, IJM is one of the biggest organizations that does stuff with that. I would love to work with them, but I'm going to keep my cards open because the law market isn't necessarily the best market right now, but I was telling you I was stressed out about law review earlier. I'm actually writing an article for them about uh, a law that was passed in Sweden and how Iowa should adopt something similar where the act of being a prostitute was decriminalized and they started going after the buyer, so the idea behind it was going after the supply of sex rather...
0: Yeah, the the demand, the demand,
1: space. not the supply. Yeah. Yes, and so that law has actually been pretty effective. The rate of prostitution in Sweden has been halved by it. So, huh?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, I've I've never even heard of that. You yeah. Know? And so, I mean, I think there's so much out there to do, and you know, I know that being in Iowa, I know that from the outside you don't always see trafficking as a, a major thing. But from what I've understood, because Interstate 80 and Interstate 35, so you have the, everything running north and south, everything running east and west, comes through four miles from where we're sitting, everything comes through here. The truck stops and the different places around here are, are fairly high volume. And, and I personally don't know anybody who has a ministry or is doing anything in that area. I, I know, I've heard that there are people but I don't I don't know what they're doing. And I would be super interested to learn more about it because, you know, that's something that, I mean, it's so sad. You know what I mean? And, and the idea that somebody's whole life and value is removed from them against their will, you know, the trafficking against their will. I mean, it's, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine something, that you, you know, I can't imagine that there would be somebody out there who would say, no, it's a good thing. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things that we can see two sides of. I don't understand how somebody could see the other side of that. Even the people who would participate in it have to know that it's evil.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like one of the big things for the people who are buying sexually exploited women, as in like, they're buying a prostitute, they don't realize that that person was potentially trafficked. I mean, I think the majority of people, if they knew that person was brought from somewhere else or that, that person was there against their will, they'd be like, okay, maybe this is a little more of a moral or unethical thing to do. Um, like, for ence- But the thing is, the only people who want it are the traffickers, and those guys are the some pimps in, uh, I think it was the D.C. area I was reading for uh, my study, with three women under 18 they can make over $400,000 in a year, and that's just three girls, because you can continuously sell them and they can do 15 acts a night, and that's 150 bucks a pop.
0: That's all a person's value is, 150 bucks? I Yeah, that's mind-blowing. That's crazy. I mean, and that's something, that I'm, I'm sure that it was eye-opening kind of working in that out there, because that's something that I just, you know, I didn't know. I remember, I remember seeing something on the news about it because um, they were talking about the Super Bowl. And I guess that the traffickers ferry in gobs and gobs of women for the Super Bowl. I don't know the truth or the validity of it, but, you know, I mean, just just to think that an event like that would be such a high traffic time. Would, I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> it's, you know, it's crazy. It's, it's- it's dirty and creepy. and
1: It is. Um, so while I was working in D.C., they were actually uh, training the Maricopa County Police Department because the Super Bowl was going to be in Phoenix that year. So I met some of the people that were going to be running, like, the sting operations during the Super Bowl trying to catch these people. And if I remember correctly, they got, like, one of the biggest uh, sting busts in history. There was, like, 300 women involved in one of these rings that they busted. Wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, so this, uh, like so that is a real story. The Super Bowl is a, a huge sign for that.
1: Uh, just about any major event would be, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, the Iowa State Fair even brings in some weird stuff relating to trafficking that you wouldn't think about because you're like, oh, it's just a bunch of farmers coming into town, but that's not all that's coming to town. You have people coming from other states and all this other stuff coming Man, to I, this event, and it's just
0: I thought it. I thought it was just corn dogs and turkey legs, <laughs> you know? And that, and that just boggles my mind that, you know, I mean, we go to the fair, you know what I mean? I've never even thought that that would be in the, in the place that we live. Prostitution isn't even a real thing that I wouldn't know how to find a prostitute if I wanted to, you know what I mean? It's not like you can just drive down a specific block like you see on television (laughs) and there's one hanging out on a corner. Um. And so I, that stuff just doesn't even it doesn't cross my mind I, you know and I wish I guess in, in my heart I wish there was more people who were combating it and
1: yeah I mean the hard part about it is it's not much of a street thing anymore street prostitution's dying out it's all going to places like backpage.com Craigslist used to have a section where you could find stuff like that but uh, the CEO of it realized like how wrong that was and they took that section down. But Backpage is actually currently in litigation with a couple of organizations regarding like a law that was passed or potentially is gonna be passed. I can't remember if it was passed or not. But anyways, it would like outlaw the advertisement of women, particularly if they're underage and you didn't have to know they're underage in this law because it's just like having sex with a minor. It doesn't matter if you didn't know, that's not a defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of come in full circle do you think that your involvement in pornography somehow has led to your desire to work within sex industry uh that's probably wasn't the clearest way to put that Uh, your 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 background with pornography to battle sex industry and your desire to know what is happening in it you know I mean not everybody wakes up and says hey I'm gonna go to DC and I'm gonna work with people who combat sex traffickers you know what I mean do you, do you see any correlation between that or was it just more of a on your heart I want to do this
1: uh, I believe they're related I I started learning about sex trafficking about the time that I like started admitting it to people that I had struggled with pornography and I started to see, like, this weird connection, and then uh, while I was in college, I was doing some research on it. It was actually for a, a talk that I gave, again, to a youth group, but this time it was about sex trafficking is what I was talking about. And, like, I found this video that the whole video was focused on, like, sexual exploitation in the pornography industry, how all these porn stars, some of them aren't doing it anymore because they want to, but because there's no other option for them and stuff. So, in some sense, they're being... Just, just as exploited as somebody who's trafficked, and I, it broke my heart. I'm like, did my participation in pornography like help facilitate that? Was yeah. what I do, what was what I was doing? Did that help some guy who's making money off some poor lady who doesn't want to do what she's doing?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's a that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, just to try to but yeah just to just to be held accountable to that and and to you know at such a young age realize that what is happening is is wrong you know what i mean i think that there's there's a lot to being able to just take responsibility and take ownership of your mistake and and learn from it and grow from it and try to make the world better you know try to make a community better and you know, it's, 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 it's good, man. I'm, I'm glad to see you walking at the place that you're at and that everything is, is looking up, you know. <laughs> Thank and, you. And that I think that being able to talk about it, I hope that other people find inspiration in it, you know. I think that, you know, if somebody is battling sexual sin you know, to be able to hear from you and, and know that there's acceptance on the other side. And I think one of the one of the big callings is that even if you're somebody who doesn't struggle with sexual sin, right? Or maybe you're somebody who doesn't want to admit to it yet. You know what? There are places, you know, like uh, by the time this comes out, the conference will... The, the sexual sin conference will be done but you know find something like that and you know what show up with the intent on bettering another christian's life yeah because your brothers in christ and and sisters you know i mean we've kind of neglected the the side of women you -hmm. know what i mean and and i know it's a struggle for them and i i don't know i i have talked with a A couple of ladies who might be open for an interview and uh, it would be eye opening for me because I know nothing from a female's perspective you know a female who struggled with sexual sin I don't know much about that but you know just the idea of going and learning about it so that you can help your brothers in Christ because you know with two thirds of families struggling with 80% of of youth, you know, or under 30, struggling, and I think that there was a, there was an age like, 40 to 60 or something like that, and it was 50 percent, 50 percent of them struggle, mm-hmm. and I know 60 year old men who can't use a computer, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so the fact that they can navigate to uh, whatever site they're going to or you know whatever they're they're doing, I mean, there's always a place to, to help. And, you know, I think that being able to justify and rationalize the idea of going and learning about it and and figuring out what's happening, even if it's not for you right now, maybe it will be, you know, but just go and participate and see what is being said. I know that one of the things, and I would be interested on your, your idea about it too, is the definition of pornography. You know what I mean? When, if you if you would have asked me 10 years ago, it would have had to have been like a triple X movie, right? I mean, you know, or a dirt, dirty film, you know, or, or some kind of smutty magazine. But now I think that my definition is becoming far more conservative. I don't know where I draw that line, but it's like one of those things you'll know it when you see it. You know what I mean? I don't So, I mean, just because just because it is not meant to be watched alone doesn't mean that you should. Yeah. you know, and I, what, you know, have you have you contemplated that at all? It's funny you should mention that because
1: we actually talked about a Supreme Court case today in class that dealt with pornography and one of the justices said He doesn't know how to define it, but he knows when he sees it. And I was just like, that's kind of true. I mean, it's hard to define because it's like, well, is there such thing as art that may have nudity in it? And I would say, yeah, there is some art that has nudity in it. So I wouldn't say that's necessarily pornographic.
0: You look at at like, uh, you know, some of those European statues from, I don't, yeah, I mean... Is it a naked guy? Yeah. Is it pornography? No. Uh, I don't think so. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. But then, but then I'm sure that there are people who would consider it pornographic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, and I don't, know, I don't know that that line will ever be figured out. And it's, it's funny that he said that too because I'm not even smart enough to read a Supreme Court case. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was... Uh, I think part of it
1: also has to do with the intent of whatever the image was being made for. If it was made for sexual arousal and it was like, and it's nudity, I would say that's definitely pornography. But the thing is, if it's not nudity and it's made for sexual arousal, that's where I get a little bit more, is this
0: pornographic? Because I I think it can be. You look at, I mean, even commercials, you know, there's, uh, Hardee's. Yeah, the Hardee's, yeah. And, you know, the old GoDaddy you know yeah. websites I mean I host my website on GoDaddy like what are we doing you know I mean, but yeah I mean everything is uh, not everything most things around us are meant for that image you know that quick you're going to remember this you know and yeah it's, it's, a, it's an odd strange time I don't know how we got to this place in the world You know what I mean? It's I don't know that it's always been like this. Mm -hmm. When I was young, I don't remember commercials being like that. Well, I mean, you think about Mr. Mr. Belvedere and Who's the Boss? You know, I don't. Do you even know what those are? Yeah, I do. All right, but you know, none of those shows had anything like that that I remember.
1: It's just weird because I think I mean I don't think I know that the sex industry is actually one of the reasons that like technology is progressing. I mean. I read somewhere recently, virtual reality pornography is a thing now, and that blows my mind. I'm like, what? And then apparently sex robots are in the works, and that's going to be something that we're going to have to deal with in the next 10, 15 years. Maybe sooner, I don't know. And that's crazy, because
0: a sex robot, like, they got a robot that'll vacuum your floor, and, you know, maybe one that'll mow your yard, but... I think there's a whole lot of other things robots could do for us before they become sex robots. Yeah. But I suppose you know, it, you know, it's kind of like what we could talk about in the world we live in. That's if that's where the money is at. That's what they're going to build them for, I guess. I don't know. It's just, it's crazy to think that somebody would dedicate their life to building something like that. <laughs> so. Well, I know that we're. We're coming up on, on some time and, and I want to give you just, is there anything that from, from you I think that it would be especially important? Somebody who is struggling with sexual sin, what could you tell them? The first thing I would say, and this is what I've told
1: anybody who's come to me and talked to me about this before, is find somebody that you're comfortable with, somebody that you... No, you can tell this like a place where it's going to be safe to tell them and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Will you keep me accountable? I have, let's see, since I've started having people keep me accountable, I mean, I had two people in high school. You were one of them. I had uh, three people while I was in college, and now it's back down to two who I see two to three times a week. So we keep each other accountable. We check up on each other. We text each other. Hey, how are you doing? Are you struggling with it the fact of the matter is, you have to be honest about it. That's a big thing. If you're not going to be honest about your struggles, then you really either A, don't care about them or you don't believe that you can trust these people with them. So yeah. I'd yeah. just say get accountability on it.
0: You know, and I think that the accountability side of it, the honesty is so important. You kind of brought up the idea that I knew a little bit about you beforehand, but, um, the I have a, a co-worker, he doesn't work with me in particular, he, he's a contractor that works in a lot of jobs that I work on and he comes in from out of town and sexual sin is, is huge for him, you know, he struggles a lot and you know, his thing is strip clubs. He's 400 miles from home, he's by himself, you know, and and that's how he passes his time and and I've tried to check up on him, and I've tried to be there for him, but he's not honest about it. If, uh, if I know he's there, you know, I know where he goes, and on my way home occasionally, he's, he usually is done working before I am, and there's, there's a couple places that, you know, I can, I can loop by on my way home, and, and I've seen him there. And so I'll call him, and it just immediately goes to voicemail. And I kind of got to the point where I'm like, Listen, you know, like, I don't, there's nothing that I can do for you because you have to be accountable to yourself, too. Like, I'm happy to be there for you, and I'm happy to do whatever it is that you need. You want to come hang out? You want me to go to dinner? You want to come over and sit on my couch and watch a movie with my family? Fine. But, you know, if you won't answer my call and you won't let me be your accountability guy, I can't do it.
1: Yep. So Accountability doesn't work if you're dishonest and it also doesn't work really if either party's dishonest you can't have somebody who's going to be your accountability partner who's going to say oh it's okay that you messed up you need somebody who's going to be like it sucks that you messed up but you better not do that stuff again you need somebody who's actually wants to push you out of the area that you're in
0: a little firmer yeah yeah not it's not always your closest friend that should be your accountability partner Mm -mm. you know it, it needs to be somebody that you trust but Somebody who isn't your buddy because sometimes you have to have those hard conversations And you know, it's yeah so
1: I don't know if you've ever heard of a Triple X Church They have this software that you can get on your computer that it sends an email if you've watched anything uh-uh. Uh I'm pretty sure for computers. It's free for smartphones. It costs now, but uh, you download it you put in the email at two of your buddies and it sends your history of questionable sites to them at the end of every week. That's one that I used in college. I don't use it anymore because it costs money on my phone, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay money for this because I don't want to spend six bucks a year on it or whatever. But yeah,
0: well, in six bucks a year, I think that the the key factor is that you have it under control now. Yeah. If it was still an issue, I'm somebody's accountability partner, and it costs $6 a year, I will pay $6 a year for you. Yeah you know and and i think that anybody who loves you enough that you would consider like somebody to do that for you would be more than happy to figure out a way to pay that and i i know that there's a few other softwares out there i don't know what they are but i think that i think that's a great start there's for one sure.
1: there's one for phones particularly that i i still have on my phone it's not necessarily that i struggle with it i just don't want that temptation to be there if i get to one of those points where i'm feeling down and yeah it just feels like that would be a good release and it cost me 99 cents and it blocks ads too, so it's a really it's good It's a 99 cent
0: ad blocker <laughs> Yeah, and it
1: blocks pornography. I was like
0: pretty good stuff if, if that is your struggle to figure out how to come to terms with it on your own and to to get away from it because we, we laugh about it being six dollars, but if if it leads to divorce, if it leads to other addiction issues, if it leads, I mean, even if it's something that led to counseling, everything, every penalty that would come up from that could potentially cost far more.
1: I mean, we wouldn't say to somebody who's struggling with alcoholism or drugs, yeah, we aren't going to give you six bucks and your AA or NA partner's going to know every time you use drugs. If they had a way to do that, everybody would be like, yeah, absolutely. Six bucks doesn't mean anything to us in that.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's the same thing, and I think that, I think that once we realize... I mean, because I didn't really realize that it was so correlated together. And I think that once we, once we put it in our mind that it is destructive, and it is using heroin is bad, looking at porn is bad. If, if, we, if we correlate them the same, What wouldn't we do to rid ourselves of that, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I know sometimes it's easier said than done, but, you know, I think every day, you know, for somebody who's struggling with it, every day is a new day. Wake up, Mm -hmm. put your shoes on, make a commitment for the day. All we can do is move forward. Yeah. God is good. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time, your insight, your openness, and uh, thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show. You know, kind of one of the things that we talked about was that this is something that is a little touchy. And I know that you don't always have the opportunity to talk about it. But I think that it is important because it does affect so many people that we care about. If you are somebody who could need help moving forward in that, there are a lot of resources available um, local churches, uh, local groups, therapy type places. Uh, you know, if you really struggle and you need help locating somebody, reach out to us. Uh, we can try to help you locate somebody in your area who, who could help you walk through it. Remember, you can stay in touch with us on our webpage, God Watch Live, or on Facebook at uh, the guy watch podcast with that you guys have a great week and be blessed